0: Um. <laughs> behind me, though. <laughs> thank you. thank you scoot over a little bit. I did. Ready, Maybe I got that a while. Yes, sir. All right. Thank <laughs> you, Mister. Carl's gonna pray. <laughs> Father God, we thank you so much that you wanted family enough to accept us and and call us when we were we were in, in terrible sin, and you accepted us just the way we. We we were and Then you, then you helped us get cleaned up by the Holy Spirit, and, uh, a little by little. And uh, what a God you are! We are so grateful. You are so faithful and true to everything you say. You are so good to us. You watched over us all the days of our lives, and you called us. Mm-hmm. And you wanted all to come to you, but only some would. But Lord, we love you, and we we. We just want to please you and honor you and put you first in our lives, and we thank you that we can gather together in your name and praise you in Christ's name, amen. 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 Lord. All right. So let's see if I can get this cord in the right place. So we're walking through Hebrews 11, the, uh, the Hall of Fame of Faith, and the first entrance, the first inductee is Abel. <laughs> Hebrews 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, still speaks. So faith leaves a lasting impression. That's good news, right? Righteousness is the first lesson of faith. The first two entrants that we're given are Abel, who was considered righteous, and Enoch, who pleased God. <laughs> Being righteous and pleasing God, that's our, that, those are our first two examples of walking in faith, okay? And righteousness is faith's first lesson. Now, this righteous in Hebrews 11.4 is Diachaos in the Greek, and it means right, just, fulfilling all claims which are right and becoming, just as it should be. A right state of which God is the standard. That's righteous. Okay? A right state. Bollinger goes on to to state that when when it's used of God, it denotes the perfect agreement between his nature and his acts. So, God made us righteous. Amen. 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 Right? When he recreated us in the image of his son, he made us righteous. When we behave righteously, all we have to do is keep agreement with who he made us to be. In other words, if we act out of our spirit, the spirit of Christ he placed in us, then we act righteously. To the degree that we don't, we're denying our identity. This is why righteousness and justification, sanctification, holiness, all of this is never about rules and regs. It's about sanity. <laughs> it's about maintaining... Welcome, welcome Hey, welcome. Vera, come on in. <laughs> come it's on about in, maintaining integrity, behaving according to character, the character of Christ that He's put in us. This is righteousness. In English, it used to be written right-wise. Right-wise. In other words, in a straight way. Turning neither to the left nor the right, but going straight. Okay? That's righteous. Abel was considered righteous. Why? Because his offering was more acceptable. Faith led Abel to offer a more acceptable sacrifice. So, here's a question. What makes for more acceptable offerings? Offering plate goes around, someone dumps a $1000 in there and someone dumps two quarters. Which one's more acceptable? You have to know the background. It's not the amount, is it? Not the amount that makes it acceptable. How much he had. The right. The woman who gave two mites. The woman who gave two mites. Was all she had. Was all she had. So, 000%. relative proportion means something. What if the person giving the quarter gave the quarter just so that the Sunday school teacher could see that they were giving a quarter? No. No. Matters. Right? So, purpose of heart matters. Mm-hmm. Right? These are some of the things that make... I have a short list, but, you know, it's worth thinking about. Hey, Anthony, come on in. So, here's a, here's a short list of what I call offering enhancers, okay? <laughs> now, first of all, note that you can read Genesis 1-1 through the end of Genesis 3 and find not a single solitary law about offerings. So, understand the context in which Cain and Abel are offering is a context outside of law. There's no requirement otherwise. No one said, you have to offer. I can demonstrate correct behavior. I can litigate necessary action. So the litigation of necessary action didn't come into play until Sinai. And the first um, Uh, overt ceremonial offering we don't get until after they come off the boat. And yet here we have Cain and Abel offering. So here's a short list of of offering enhancers. In uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, Jesus says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, so, this is a, Who's at fault here? The giver. Yeah, I mean, it, you're coming to give a gift to God, and all of a sudden you remember you've offended your brother. You've got a problem. This is not a case of you coming to the altar and thinking, well, you know, I haven't forgiven my brother. No, <laughs> you got the problem. You've offended your brother. You have something against you. You know, your brother has something against you. He doesn't say, well, you know, don't give. He says, leave it there for a moment. Well, take your gift back. Go get straight with your brother. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. So, an offering enhancer would be repentance and reconciliation. Because if you're going to get straight with your brother, you're going to have to what? Admit something's wrong. <laughs> Admit you've done wrong, ask for forgiveness, have some reconciliation, and then come and offer the gift. Giving God is due. They try to set Jesus up. They said, well, we pay Caesar, we don't pay Caesar. And he said, well, bring the coin. You know, whose inscription's on the coin? They said Caesar's. And he says, well, then give Caesar what's Caesar's, and then give God what's God's. So a, it, would be, it would be good to know what God should get. <laughs> That's a good offering answer. Giving sacrificially. Giving sacrificially. What do I mean by that? Well, I have some examples that you've already brought up. Jesus with his disciples are sitting there at the temple and they have the offering. Hey Ben, they have the offering and people are throwing in there lots of money and up comes the widow and she puts in two mites. And Jesus says, she's put in more than all of them because they gave out of their abundance. But she gave out of her poverty all that she had. She gave out of her poverty all that she had. Anyone who's ever done a budget may have come to the conclusion they can't afford to give. It's not true. You can't afford not to give. Amen. And so he recognized that she had offered all she had. Those two mites were more than all the gold anybody else was putting out there in the temple. She gave sacrificially all she had. (laughs) I don't know this one. I, I didn't do the animations right. Remember Elijah? God sends Elijah to the wit- to the widow, and he sees this widow out there, and, and uh, she's collecting some, some sticks, and he says, hey, uh, you know, uh, why don't you bring me some water? And she goes to get him some water, and he, while you're going to get some water, why don't you give me some bread? And she says, listen, I've got a little bit of oil, and I've got a little bit of flour, and I'm going to cook my last meal so my son and I can eat it and die. Talk about destitute, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> This is is the equivalent of rolling up to the poor guy on the street corner with a cardboard sign and saying, Hey, you got a dollar? (laughs) You know? Right? And the guy's looking at you like, What do you mean, do I have a dollar? Can't you read? I'm homeless. You know, feed me. And he he says, she says this, he says, Great! That's fantastic. Go ahead and do that. Make your last meal. Just give me some bread first. Feed me first. And then he says, well, let's read it. Go to 1 Kings. This first thing is important. When are we supposed to seek, seek the uh, the kingdom of God? First, right? 1 Kings 17 and verse 8. In the 26th year of Asa king of Judah, am I in the right place? place. Maybe i got to get the right chapter here. Chapter 17. Yeah, there's there, 17. I'm, I'm on the wrong page. I'm reading 16. See, so here's 17. <laughs> Very. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Sarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarapath and he came to the gate of the city. Behold, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour and a jar and a little oil and a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. <laughs> We're tired straits here, right? <laughs> and, and this is where I'm challenged because I, I try to be mighty careful about talking about money. You know, and and giving the impression that I'm trying to leverage people for it. I'm not. You know, but Elijah's being obedient to God. And so he has the gall to say, oh yeah, that's good. Just go ahead and give me some first. Um, And Elijah said to her, "Do, um, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. Don't cook your meal yet. Prepare it specifically for me. Bring it specifically to me before you eat. For thus says the Lord your God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. That's that's not just faith, that's faithfulness. I don't think I don't think this went down like she had this little bit of flour, and then she made a little cake and came home, and there were bags of flour in her house. No. Yeah. I think every time she went to that jar, there was oil and there was flour. There's a little bit left in there until the day rain. Until the day until it rain. You know, but. Look at the prophet. He says, well, that's good. Just make me some first. Why? Because I'm representing the Lord. This is your offering to the Lord. Make it to me first. So she gave sacrificially. This is the last morsel she had to live on. And she gave a portion of it. Not all of it. Gave a portion of that to the prophet first. And then John 6. The multitudes out there have been out there all day. And Jesus, playful as he is, is playing with the disciples. He says, hey we got to feed these people. John tells us he already knew what he was going to do. And I think it was Philip gets a little bent out of shape. He's like, man, if we had like 200 farthings we couldn't feed this whole crowd, what are you talking about? Andrew tries to be helpful. He's like, well, there's this kid here, his lunch. He's got like, you know, um, some fish and loaves. Well, that was the kid's lunch. How much of it did he give? All of it. All of it. All of it. Didn't hold as much back. Didn't hold his food back. He gave all his food. What did the Lord do with it? He fed the multitude. Yeah, he fed, he fed the multitude just enough. More than they needed. Yeah. He had leftovers, right? <laughs> there were leftovers, you mm-hmm. see. So, it's not that getting out of your abundance. Matter of fact, Scripture tells us to give as God has prospered us. To give out of our... The reason that God prospers us is so we could have what we need and more to share. So it's not that what is abundant isn't acceptable. It's just that what is sacrificial is even more so. It's more precious. You understand? So giving sacrificially. The widow's mites, the widow's food, the lad's lunch. That's a King Jameser right there. Um... But then there's giving of yourself first. Uh, Romans 12.1 And this is the real lesson of offering. Uh, Romans 12.1 I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship it's always understood in the blood sacrifices that they're substitutionary. That this life is being placed on the altar for my life. If my heart doesn't go with the offering, I am only being religious. Jesus said that where your treasure is, your heart would be also. You know, we, we can know what, what's really, we talked about this last week, is what, what's really on people's heart will come out of their mouth. What they really care about, they invest in. They'll spend money on. Right? So, you need to give yourself first. And then, you can give other the things you produce. Second Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. I love this out of the message. Um, now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in, Mas- in the Macedonia province. Fierce struggles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there, and I saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege to help out in the relief of the poor Christians, the poor Christians in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. This was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. It's a good measure to know how committed you are to the kingdom, is how generous, generous you are. mean, I'm talking about those guys with the cardboard signs I shared with you several weeks ago how challenging that is to me, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a continual prod against my cynicism, right? <laughs> so, how, how tight-fisted you are, um, or how generous you are, is a good indicator of how fluent you are in the kingdom of God. How much you recognize where true supply comes from and where true allegiance is owned or owed right but i just this this second corinthians out of uh out of the message is just i think it's a beautiful way of translating that so those are all those are all sacrifice enhancers offering enhancers but there is uh, the right sacrifice the right sacrifice so we need to look at these brothers, and as scriptures compared their sacrifices, we need to understand the differences. Before Genesis four comes Genesis three, and the Lord God made for Adam and his wife. This is Genesis three twenty one. Garments of skins and clothed them. Skins, not wool, not linen, not plants beat out and spun. Not sheep sheared. These are animal skins. Who here has skinned an animal before? Okay. Did the animal survive the process? No. No. (laughs) Matter of fact, I suggest that before you skin any animal, you make sure it's dead. Right? Mm -hmm. Amen. It's a bloody process. So... ensconced in this verse, understood... Is the death of an animal that man's nakedness a nakedness exposed by sin would be covered by God and these these uh, garments it's the same word used to describe the uh, the garments of the priests but it's a covering it's not it wasn't a vest and it wasn't a skirt it was a robe he covered them in animal skins okay so this was the first demonstration of a blood sacrifice that covered the exposure of man because of sin. Now Adam knew Eva's wife, this is Genesis 4 verse 1, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. That word for worker is, is a tiller of the ground, okay? Remember, in the garden they were picking fruit. <laughs> it just grew from the trees. But when they got kicked out, God said, you know, the sweat of your brow, you're going you're to work the soil. Okay? So here's Cain working the soil. Abel's keeping sheep. In the course of time, um, in the end of days, is the Hebrew, but basically it's an indication of a long period of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. I don't know about you but my predisposition every time i was taught this because of the word fruit is you know i had apples oranges and things like that in my mind this is not what it's talking about he's a tiller of the ground and abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions and the lord had regard for abel in his offering but for cain and his offering he had no regard so cain was very angry and his face fell there a lot of, there's a lot of lessons in all this, but we're talking about faith and we're talking about this offering that God accepted. So let's look at these offerings. The Hebrew word is minkah, which in Leviticus becomes the technical term for the grain offering. It's the grain offering. Um, it's a bloodless offering. Cain and Abel brought gifts from their labor. Cain tilled the ground he harvested, he had grain, he had to grind it. He had flour. So if we were to take what we learn in Leviticus and then superimpose it on Genesis, which some would say is, you know, not correct, but just think with me here, it becomes flour. So it's not that Cain didn't have anything invested in this offering, he had quite a bit. He had to till the ground, he had to harvest it, he had to gather it, and then he had to offer it. Hey. Could you say the Hebrew word again? April was wondering if you. Min-ka. That's how I'm pronouncing it, but I pronounce everything in Spanish, <laughs> except for Minka, which has a ch, and I didn't say mincha, so there. <laughs> <laughs> Each of them brought from what they worked. Okay. Um, if if we were primarily an, agrar- an agrarian society, you know, we, we would we would have. Um, more food closets than we generally do, you know, and, and there would be reservoirs of food to give to people and to sustain ministers and this kind of a thing. Um, most of us get paid how? Electronically. Electronically. <laughs> you know, cash or I's and O's that are, that are pretending to be cash, right? So the way that we measure our increase or the fruit of our labor is the exchange we make between our time and our money. Okay? Here's the difference. Aside from the, I mean, the the commonality is they're both offerings. The commonality is it's from their labor. They brought what they had. Here are some of the differences. Abel's offering is marked out as being the firstlings of his flock and the fatlings. The the plural is indicated in the Hebrew. These These are the firstlings. The firstborn belong to God. Again, this first thing is very important. So, Scripture doesn't say that Cain's wasn't the first fruit. It just doesn't say it was. And the fact that it's highlighting that Abel's was the first fruit leads you to the conclusion that Cain's wasn't. Understand? So, it was the best. Abel brought the first and the best of the flock, but it wasn't all he brought. It wasn't all he brought. The word respect is Sha'ah and it's to look at look at with interest. To inspect with interest. There's a convoluted process by which commentators uh, assume or or conceptualize that how God showed his acceptance on the sacrifice was how he usually shows acceptance through sacrifice in the Old Testament, which is how? Fire from heaven. Fire from heaven. You know, he burned it right off the altar. Yeah. Right? And and they gather this from this to look at because To look at it with intensity, with concern, with care, with ardor, with heat, boom, fire, and it's a a big leap. Regardless of how it was, Cain knew Abel was accepted. And his was not. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? So, um, you can have your own fun tracking this face fallen. Uh, It shows up when when Joshua is face down before the Lord because of the calamity at Ai, and God says, why are you on your face? There's sin in the camp. My my personal opinion (laughs) is the Hebrew behind this isn't a downcast countenance, but Cain being mad, but still face down before God, and God saying, why are you face down? Why don't you just offer the right offering and be accepted? If you do well, there it is. Will you not be accepted? And apparently, it then implies that Cain knew what he what, what what he should give. Cain Cain knew what well meant. And if you do not well, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. So the issue in the offering is a sin problem, and one offering deals with sin and the offering, the other offering, does not. There is a well way of dealing with sin and an unwell way of dealing with sin and if you don't deal with sin well, it crouches at its door. It always wants you, but you always have to rule over it, but there's only one way you can. There's only one way you can. This do well is yatab. It means to make a thing good or right or beautiful. To do well, to do right. Right wise, correct. If you do the correct thing, won't it be accepted? And if you don't, sin's crouching at the door ready to gobble you up. The description, uh, Merrill Unger says, is, is, is of a demon crouching by the gate. <laughs> ready to pounce First John chapter 1 But if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin We say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us If we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. What is it that cleanses us from all unrighteousness? Confession. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. If you come to the altar... If we confess. Yes. If you come to the altar and there remember that your brother has ought against you. Leave your gift at the altar, go be reconciled to your brother, and then offer your gift. Well, who is the brother you need to be well with most? Jesus. Jesus. If we have fellowship with one another, (laughs) but boy, if I come to the altar and I realize that Jesus has an issue with my behavior, I'm not acting like him. I'm not behaving like him. I'm not loving like him. I should go to my brother and get reconciled. I should allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse. How do do I reconcile with a brother I've offended? I'm sorry I did that to you. You see, when you didn't feed me, you didn't feed that poor guy, you didn't feed me. When you didn't go see the guy in prison, you didn't come see me. When you didn't give the thirsty water, you didn't give me water. I've got a problem with that. Right? So, we reconcile through confession and forgiveness from the party offended, right? Then all is well. (laughs) So long as we behave ourselves. Because we have to have mastery over it. Well, what grants us mastery over sin? The blood of Jesus gives us the power over sin. Remember, this blood was shed and this blood's alive because it's resurrected. This blood was spilled for your sin, but it was resurrected and sits in the right hand of the throne of heaven, righteous and true. And the life of His blood, the life of His Spirit lives in you. If we walk after the Spirit, will you fulfill the lust of the flesh? No. No. because. If you walk after the Spirit, then you're maintaining integrity with the character of God He stamped in you and your actions. Right? For a, for a Christian to sin is like for a human to bark. Okay? I mean, it's just, you know, you're not being yourself. Stop it. Right? It's really simple. The blood of Jesus gives us power over sin. Okay. So, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended. God commending him by accepting his gifts. His gifts, plural. His gifts. Think about the mechanisms of what these brothers had to do to bring their gifts. And um, I'll go back to Genesis 4. because the language can get a little tricky. The the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. The best interpreters of the Old Testament are the New Testament authors who are writing under the same Holy Spirit that revealed the Old Testament. So, in Hebrews, we're told that Abel offered gifts, plural. And in Genesis, we're told that the brothers presented a makkah, a grain offering. But Abel did something more. He brought the firstlings and the fatlings of his flock and put blood on the altar. See, Abel had to go to Cain and procure flour. Cain was too proud to come to Abel and buy a lamb. God had clothed Adam and Eve in skins. The boys knew what the right thing to do was. Humanity knew. Noah knew between the clean and the unclean. Noah understood sacrificial animals because he sacrificed them when he came off the boat. The fat of the sacrifice wasn't for Abel to eat because man didn't eat meat until they came off the boat. All the food, if he was going to buy extra food, Abel, one can assume in the economy of early man, he bought from his brother. Goat's milk, wool, things of this nature, one would assume. If he wanted an oversupply, Cain would have gotten from his brother. There's an exchange. But Cain, Scripture tells us, who was of the evil one, decided to worship God in his own way. We have a nice word for that. It's called religion. If I give to the deity something, then I should be prospered because I checked the mark off. I did the thing. But he didn't do the right thing. The right thing is the right sacrifice in the right heart. So, we are told in Scripture that first and foremost, we receive God's offering, the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which settles the sin problem. Knowing we're cleansed from sin, we offer ourselves. We put our bodies as a living sacrifice before God, which is our rightful service. And then, from that proceeds the right heart in giving out of our abundance, in giving generously, and in giving sacrificially in faith to be accepted that sacrifice to be accepted, and for those sacrifices to continue to speak should the Lord tarry long after we die. Amen? So by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. We just saw in 1 John what made righteousness was the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, still speaks. Amen?